This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. So, um, haven't done like a movie review in like a while. Uh, I think the last time I did it was the 96 draft. So, um, I'm excited to bring this back. We have the uh, Legacy Lakers documentary. I was out on Hulu. Been watching it over the past 10 weeks. And um, it's fine. It really is. I think it's it's pretty good. Um, is it the best one I've seen? No, but we're all comparing it to the last dance. So, so that's kind of tough to really uh, nail that down. But um, I think it's fine for a baseline of partial Lakers history. We'll get into that coming up. But, um, yeah, so before I go in too much, um, let's go and jump into it. And by the way, um, forgot to mention that uh, if you see a new logo, that is all thanks to my good buddy, Ryan Martin, um, made that for me. I didn't even have to ask him. He just did it for me. So I was like, yeah, I'll definitely throw it up. So um, if you if you see a new logo, enjoy it. I don't know how um, quick the like application we go through will switch that, but um, if it'll be there eventually. So big shout out to Ryan for that. So with the documentary is um so when I originally hear they're coming out of a Lakers documentary on Hulu, I'm like, okay. I'm like, awesome. So we're gonna get to hear because I hear history of the Lakers, the story of the Lakers. So I'm thinking, cool. We get to hear stuff about the George Mikan days and how they're like most overpowering team in the NBA. There for a little bit. We'll get to hear about Elgin Baylor and stuff like that. And then the move to LA, which I think is always an interesting part that hasn't been hasn't gone too in depth with on any documentary yet. And then, then it comes out the story of the LA Lakers. I'm like, that's understandable because, you know, like it's not very sexy for, you know, to have all the George Mike and stuff in there in Minneapolis. I'm like, all right, that's fine. But, um, so we're getting a Lakers documentary. We're getting an L.A. Lakers documentary. Cool. We get to see Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain getting in there and how that whole thing is played out. Get to see the Lakers of the 70s. And, um, none of that was in there, which is a shame because, let alone if... It was just on the Lakers in general, like including Minneapolis. There's a lot of stuff outside of George Mikan that is um, pretty impressive. Um, the fact that the team was almost in a plane crash and, you know, it could have killed the entire team. Something that um, I don't think to that point people had seen. It would happen years later with Evansville in that, in that tragedy. But... Imagine hearing the stories from, and I get it, maybe not the, not many of those guys are alive still, but 
basketball historians do a great telling with different things. Like if you watch basketball love story, Terry Pluto has more interesting anecdotes on the on the ABA than most people who played in it do. He's been around. He knows the lore and everything. He knows the behind the scenes. So you could have included that. But this is more like a reality TV documentary. Like there's not very that many people who on the outside who are interviewed. So yeah, we get to that. None of that happens, which I was upset with. But then I start watching, and the first documentary starts 1979. Jerry Buss has bought the Lakers. Hang on. Why? Why are you starting in 79? And it's just like, I, I get it. There's a whole, like, secondary story is the Buss family and their turmoils and their triumphs. But it's just like, I want to know about Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, Gail Goodrich, Wilt Chamberlain. I want to know about those guys. I truly do. And I know a lot of people who have said, yeah, I wish it was different like that too. So we started in 1979. And it's not even that interesting of a story of how he gets the team kind of. I mean, like, it shows all the real estate he owned, then he had to sell it, then he had to go buy another. He had to switch, I think, the Chrysler building for the forum. But it's, it's just like... I don't really know who Jerry Buss is. And it's, you can't really tell that story of who Jerry Buss is until he gets the Lakers. So, because that's when the whole party boy comes out and we see all that. So 1979 is a weird place to start. Um, No mention of Jack Kent Cook and how that whole Ownership went down. So it starts in 79. And I get 79 is an important year for the Lakers. It's the year they turn around, they get Magic Johnson, and they go win a championship in that season. But it's not like that's when the Lakers start. That's when Showtime starts. And you can make a Showtime documentary all you want. That'd be awesome to see. But when you're saying the story of the L.A. Lakers and you don't include Jerry West or Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, you're doing yourself a disservice. So I wasn't a fan of that. Um, There's no mention of Spencer Haywood at all. And um, this takes me back to the winning time show on HBO. I get it. It's not the most accurate thing ever. It's HBO. They have to dramatize stuff for people to watch it because they want people outside of myself and basketball fans watching that kind of stuff. Basketball fans will watch it no matter what. But it's you need those other people to watch so you can make more of the show. And the Spencer Haywood thing is slightly, um, there's a couple things that are uh, misconstrued in the series, but you, it was one of those things where I see why they did it. They have to make it interesting. 
when Spencer Haywood puts a hit on in the in winning time, he puts a hit on the entire LA Lakers. No. But I can see why. They made it seem that like Kareem told him, hey man, we had a vote and I was a siding vote. We just can't have you on a team anymore. You need to get better with your uh we need you need to get into rehab. So I see why he was like, okay, well the captain told me straight to my face that um I have a problem that needs to be fixed after he's given me a chance. And at that point, when you're in that point of uh, drug addiction, it doesn't matter who tells you what at that point. You, you, you had to act. But it wasn't on the whole Lakers. It was on, I think, just Paul Westhead and maybe Jerry West and probably Jerry Buss. So, no, he didn't put a hit on the entire team, and but he did put a hit. Like, people go, oh, my God, this series is so unbelievable. It's just so, like, it does not care about the history. No, it takes history and expands in order to make storylines and stuff like that because that's what Hollywood is. It's all storylines. So, to that point of having zero Spencer Haywood talk and how Spencer Haywood is probably – Let's think. Top three scorer of the 70s. Like, just in terms of skill, I'm not sure about the stats. But, I mean, he's up there in terms of the 70s. Spencer Haywood is an incredible point of history for basketball. And he's part of the Lakers. He's on the bench. He helps that team become more cohesive. And he just doesn't get mentioned. And the fact that, you know, he, he puts a hit on the head coach. That's interesting to me. Like, that's that's something that a lot of people, I don't think, know all too well. It came to light in the Winning Time documentary, but people think that show is just lying. Storylines. That's all it is. Those were really the only problems I had with the Showtime era. Everything else was fine. Um... Seeing the turmoil between the buses, I think at that point is a good time to do that. Like, you're planting the seed. Like, you know, Genie didn't get the first sports team. Um, blah, blah, blah. And all that. And, like, that's where you see Jim become a scout. And, um, yeah. But, really, the next parts... And a lot of my parts are in the 2000s where I have problems. So, they go into around 2004. Yeah, 04. And it's the Kobe Bryant Kobe Bryant sexual assault uh, trial. He's flying back and forth to Colorado because that's where it happened. And, you know, he's... Or was it Utah? Either way, he's flying back and in and out of California all the time to go to court. And the documentary just doesn't really mention it. They're like, they show like the cover Sports Illustrated. They show like, you know, which I mean, it had his headshot on it anyway, his mugshot. But um, yeah, they're like, it just seemed like it wasn't distracting for that team. That had to have been pretty distracting. That was when the Kobe Shack thing started. 
uh, started to like crumble at that point. And um, yeah, they just it just kind of wash over it. And there's a lot of that in this documentary. The and the thing is that like. I get it. You're covering 40 years. That's quite a long time, especially when you have to hit so many highlights. You can't just skip over a, like five seasons at a time because you're winning championships like almost every five years, basically. Like in a five-year window, you're winning one to two championships. So I understand it's like you have to gloss over some things, but there was just some stuff where it's like I didn't need to know that. And we'll get into more of that later. But I want to hear about the stuff that, like, my next point is just there's no talk of the Western Conference Finals matchup against the Kings where I know it's, like, conspiracy theory, but, I mean, you go back and look at the tape, the refs were terrible in that series. And it's one of those things where people are like, hey, this is – kind of a big deal and no one and it's like people need to say oh the NBA should be held accountable for this this is ridiculous and I don't know I wasn't there I would have loved to hear more insight on it I want to hear from Vladi about that they interviewed Vladi it's not like they couldn't get Vladi Vladi Divac was in was in it because he was a Laker at one point Go out and interview like Chris Weber or someone, anyone. For, you had Vladi. That's the thing I can't get over. You had him. They just didn't ask him. So it comes to a point now where Phil Jackson says that Kobe was not uncoachable. He's like, you know, Kobe was never uncoachable. No one is uncoachable. Didn't Phil write a book straight up saying, I cannot deal with Kobe. He will not listen to me. He is uncoachable. Like, wasn't that the last season, I think it was called? Isn't that the main thing of the book? Kobe's not uncoachable. I got to be honest. Do you think that if Kobe's alive, Phil Jackson says that? Phil would probably say, oh, yeah, he was completely uncoachable and then, like, laugh about it because it would be so funny to them if he was alive. I understand it, like, it's bad to talk to um, talk down on the deceased. I understand that. But there's a lot of stuff with Kobe where it was just glossed over. Sexual assault, the him not being coachable because he was. I mean, he just... He was king of the world at that point. He was the best player in basketball, which I think a lot of people forget. But Phil, after he dies, just says, oh, yeah, Kobe was coachable. Yeah, maybe at times, but not when it most mattered. And then later on, they don't mention the game against the Suns where Kobe refused to shoot. Coach is telling the pass. He passed the whole time saying, you're not going to let me shoot. We're going to lose. What is, what is so coachable about that? Like, 
I mean, I guess they did tell him to pass, but he's doing it out of spite. That's not being coachable. That's just being a you-know-what. I love Kobe. Sometimes, honestly, I forget. Sometimes that Kobe has died because I see him so much around social media and all that. And, but it's just like stuff like that fades away after his passing. When when he was alive, it was all you talked about was, hey, I remember that game in 06 or what it, whatever year it was where Kobe refused to shoot against the Suns. That was a defining moment of his career. And I get it. He turned around. He became a more players player-friendly teammate. But at that point, you look at him in his career, and he said that was the most selfish thing you could do on a basketball court. That's more selfish than just not listening to your coach and just shooting all the time. It's just like, I get it. Kobe passed away. It was a terrible thing, something that. And when it came up in the documentary, I started tearing up. Like, hearing from LeBron, hearing from all those players and all of those Lakers greats talking about Kobe and how that day was for them, it made me tear up. I cried when Kobe died. Of course I did. It's Kobe Bryant. But there's stuff like that in a legacy you just cannot forget. Because in my opinion, it makes them look better if you include that. You're like, yeah, Kobe refused to shoot. He did he did nothing but pass. Immediately just get the ball and pass in that one series. But after he he just knew that he had to be a better teammate and he won two more championships because of it. That was in the height of Shaq already got on a ring. So and everyone thinking, oh yeah, Shaq was the guy. Kobe was just right who's just Robin. Kobe goes on to win two more championships. After that, when everyone in basketball would probably say, yeah, I don't want to play with that guy. Are you kidding me? So it's stuff like that where it's just like you're trying to show legacies. The name of the show is Legacy. And I think that they still screw it up sometimes I because sometimes they don't see the full picture. They have to condense it because they have to focus on I don't know why they have to. They focus on the Bus family. And I get it. The Buses are one of the most influential families the NBA has ever seen. Genie is all over the place. When you hear anything about the Lakers, you hear Genie. Dr. Bus was the same way. Like, whenever you saw anything about the Lakers, Dr. Bus was there. Dr. Bus was the embodiment of Showtime Lakers and what it did to LA. The Forum Club is a is an indication of what happened during that time and it all happened because of Dr. Bus. I get it. They're important. And we haven't seen I don't think any documentaries focused on the family of the owner. But it's just like when Jerry Reinsdorf came in in the last dance, he came in at the right spots saying how 
you know, I told blah, 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 this happened. Um, you know, I told Phil, this is your last year, no matter what you do. You know, that was Jerry Krause said about Reinsdorf had to buy, had to back him up. And even at the end of the year, he said, Hey, this is over. We're done. That's how you show an owner in those situations because it never happened. I don't think up to that, especially in a basketball documentary, Lakers Celtics, you didn't hear about you didn't you didn't hear about them. You just didn't. Not even you maybe one mention of bus and one mention of red. But after that, it's the players. It's the coaches. It's not the owners. And it's so weird seeing two shows like that focusing on the buses in the same year with HBO's winning time and now legacy. Oh, yeah, Dr. Bus was, <laughs> he was just an incredible personality. Just someone to where you wanted to be around him all the time, you wanted to have a beer with him. But are we seeing like an oversaturation of it? I know it's only two shows, but we had zero shows for 40 years, and now we're getting two in one year. I don't know. Just, I don't know. Uh, Shout out to Carl Landry for being shown twice in the Andrew Bynum piece. Couldn't get a lot of pictures on Andrew Bynum. I mean, there were different pictures with Carl Landry, but it's like, wow, you had one game where you could get the pictures from. And uh, the whole Andrew Bynum thing is... It, that should be shown to any scout, any coach, any owner, any GM, any anyone in the decision-making process of a basketball team needs to watch the Andrew Bynum piece from Legacy. Because originally, I didn't see why Jimmy Buss was so clowned on all the time. And I mean, he really, he really was. But the Andrew Bynum piece really made me see why. For someone who played, what was it, like 10 high school games? It, I, don't even, I don't even know if he broke double figures. He, had, he played 10 high school games, got injured, played in the McDonald's All-American game, played fairly well. And you're thinking, oh yeah, he's probably slotted second round. And he goes early on in that draft for the Lakers. And then is one of those, he, he barely got cleared on his physical. I think like he had bad knees and just like, if you have bad knees at 17, you're getting drafted in the NBA. You're going to have a long, long career, not in terms of longevity, but the minutes go by slower and that kind of thing. Like 82 games on bad knees at 17, what is it going to be when you have to do in, like, 2009? You have to play, like, 100 games on bad knees when you're 20, I don't know, 23, 22, 23? Guys barely get out of college with bad knees. Like, I mean, it's a problem. Sometimes people just have bad knees, and they won't get drafted out of college. And how the Lakers were so adamant on keeping Bynum with all these trade offers. They had so many for him. And it reminds me of 
think I remember watching Rosillo and Bill Simmons. They were talking about um some of the weirdest refusals to trade someone. And the Cavs off no, the Suns offered Amari Stoudemire for JJ Hickson and the Cavs said no. Amari Stoudemire and LeBron? Are you kidding me? But no, we want to keep J.J. Hickson, who I don't know what position he was. Was he a 6'9 power forward? Apparently not because he was listed at center for most of his career. And it's like, well, 6'9, that doesn't make sense at that point in time. Then sometimes you look at him, man, he slimmed down. He could be like a small forward now. And he's like, no, no, he's just our four now. What, what are you doing? <laughs> just, I don't know why... I get it. Sometimes GMs or scouts need to be like, hey, I drafted this guy. This is my guy. But there's a point when you get offered something like Amari Stoudemire, you take that. (laughs) There's just no... uh... Yeah, so now I see why Jimmy Buss. It all makes sense now. Um, There was a couple times where shots would be reused. And it would be of Kobe. There's no way you didn't have enough footage on Kobe. I don't think that they were given enough access. Which is scary. Because if you do a movie on the NBA. Usually NBA Entertainment will help you out. And get you some footage. So what happened? Why why are we reusing footage of Kobe? And it wasn't even like the stuff he did in game. It was like practice footage. It was like. It would be him shooting a free throw. They would cut to something. Be like, and then they would go back to Kobe. It was him shooting the same free throw. Like it's you can't make that up. Like why <laughs> reusing a free throw in practice? I don't even think they were talking about Kobe. They were talking about I think like Phil and Kobe's relationship maybe. So that kind of worked. But if you're showing that, why not show him and Filled together, which they had plenty of footage of. Filled with the cane? What was that about? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. With that, that was um, interesting. I'm not saying that this documentary is terrible. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. But it's just like, you have to care a little bit. And I get it. They probably had a deadline to like, hey, we need this. We need the last episode to come out a week before the NBA starts. Okay. But why not have them fine tune it and then maybe have stuff come out around Christmas or wait until next year? Is that so hard to do? Because what. I get the contract. It's probably a contract with Hulu saying, hey, we need these episodes here. But even on the last dance, when episode one aired, they were still editing, I think, episode seven. So, like, you can you can work on it throughout. But, yeah, it's not terrible. I recommend it if you, but sometimes the bus stuff I wanted to fast forward through. Just because I'm like, I don't really care. Like, honestly, and there's... It's like, I get it. They don't get along. 
like a lot of families don't get along, but I mean, they're not in the spotlight like them. But I mean, it's just stuff that happens. People disagree. People have fights. You know, it happens. And then I had one other thing. So at the end of the documentary, they start showing all the statues outside Staples Center. And the first one they show is the Elgin Baylor statue. And I go, huh. Weird, since you didn't mention him. Many people, if they just watch this documentary, they don't know who that is. They're like, is that James Worthy? No, because that's a different number. But I don't understand how you don't mention Elgin, who I swear, probably the first player to play above the rim in a way that he did. Like, he's one of those guys where you look at a linear path where it goes from him to probably David Thompson to Michael Jordan to Kobe to probably LeBron. One of those guys where he started a line of great players, of great athletic players that lead into one another. And the only time they, they had, they interviewed Jerry West a ton, like a lot. And I think they mentioned one of their finals. I think they mentioned the 72 team like once you have Jerry West interviewing him and you don't ask him about his playing time. You're just like, um, so uh, what was your thought behind, uh, tell us a story about uh, Kobe Bryant's workout. Oh, it's the best workout I've ever seen. I've heard that a million times. Like That's telling me nothing new if you're a diehard basketball fan. Even if you're a medium like basketball fan, you've heard Jerry West say, oh, Kobe's workout was the best I've ever seen. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was we were gonna. I knew we were gonna draft him. It's like if he falls to us, it's like yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> Can we do something else? I don't know. Maybe ask him about his playing career, or him being. I don't know. This is another thing where I said this a couple weeks ago. People like don't talk about Jerry West, one of a greater players, but he's the logo of the league. Like, that entity that you, as a documentary maker, I'm assuming you had to get permission to use, like, logos and stuff like that, be able to have games being shown. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) at the top right corner is Jerry West in that logo. And it's like, yeah, I'll just sign it, blah, 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 whatever. And I don't know, just one of those things where if you're going to tell me it's a story of the L.A. Lakers, do the story of the L.A. Lakers. If you want to do, if you could have named his legacy, the the Lakers in the bus era, fine. I would still watch it. But the story of the L.A. Lakers... Not them struggling to get people in seats when they come into town because everyone's going to watch the Dodgers or anyone else. Not, you know, them winning championships. Not them bringing in one of the most dominant centers ever. And no, I'm not talking about Shaq. I'm talking about Wilt. 
I'm also talking about Kareem. They barely talk about how they got Kareem. And then talk about <laughs> just, I don't. It's just one of those things that if you tell me you're going to do the story of something, you better tell me the story of it. You told me a partial history of the Lakers in the bus era. But you also told me the history of the bus family turmoils, in which if you're on the court, doesn't matter. Just doesn't. Like, it mattered when, you know, people are in decision-making of players. But outside of that, the feuds don't matter. Just, if you want to see the story of the L.A. Lakers, you're going to have to wait for an entire story. Maybe go check out NBA Entertainment. I know they probably have older DVDs. I know DVDs are kind of outdated now, but I still get them because it's all I can get for them. If I don't know why they can't do this. If I have NBA League Pass, why can't that count as like a streaming service where I can look at all the old NBA Entertainment stuff? Because there's a lot of good stuff. Like they do documentaries going through like each um, – Champion, they come out with DVDs every year like, oh, here's a story of this year's championship team. They do that every year. I have DVDs of just old games. Like, I have the entire, um, I think, 1985 finals just on DVD. And it's, it's the Lakers, like, Return to Glory is what it's called. It's just the old games. All the old documentaries they make, like the Larry Bird one, the Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. Why can't I stream that? Like, what what agreements do you have to go through? If you're on NBA League Pass, it's the NBA. Like, no matter what, like, the NBA has the rights to that footage, even if it's like on like Bally sports. Now the NBA has to sign off on that. They own that footage. Like either if it's direct or not, like if the Pacers made a deal with Bally sports, they are in the NBA. The NBA has those rights, but no have to wait for a more in depth history of the LA Lakers, which Probably going to have to wait a little more. And they better hurry up because Elgin Baylor's already dead. Will Chamberlain has been long dead. All you have is Jerry West. But again, basketball historians can tell stories almost better than what the players can. Because after a while, players will forget stuff, but the historians have it written down. This is what happened. This is what was said. So, yeah, that's my review on Legacy. Now, the NBA starts next week, but I did see on HBO, and I mentioned this last week, on HBO they came out with 38 in the Garden, the Jeremy Lin. I might watch that and give you a review. And I'm sorry about the Redeem Team documentary. I 
don't have Netflix anymore, so I'm going to have to figure out a way to watch that. So, because I've heard it's amazing, it's incredible. But uh, we'll just have to see on that. So I will see if I can watch that. Maybe do a review of 38 in the Garden, or we'll see what happens next week. So with that, that will be it for this week. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at TheEverHard00. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.